1: From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chief Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Well, we're back. There's plenty to talk about, and Seth Kaiser from Arrowhead Pride is back with us. Uh, Man, lots and lots and lots of little things. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. It's been a long week already, but what are you going to do?
0: Well, you're not the only one. We're going to talk about the pass rush a little bit later, but uh only bit of news that's uh really pertinent right here is D. Ford is still not practicing. Uh he's not alone. Uh, Leagueway and Murray sat out as well, but uh the guy that you're waiting to come back and, and bring some power back, bring some some spark hopefully to the pass rush uh out again on Wednesday's practice. Well, the tip of everybody's tongue is the quarterback thing. Yes. Uh, I know I know you have an opinion. What I do. What do you think? Um, it,
1: this was it. This was finally the, the Bills game. And I actually finished the All 22 review. Cause the only thing that I was holding back was I told people, and hey, maybe I'll change my mind when I review the All 22. But I said all of last week, you know, let's see what happens in the Bills game. But if it, if, if, if Alex plays poorly again, then it's time to have a conversation. And then he went out and Alex might have played even worse against the Bills than he did Against okay, the Giants, yeah. he might have been even worse. I think he was, and and so for me, possible. I don't know, I don't know, and I don't mean that in a snarky way towards Alex. I like Alex has legitimately strung together literally the worst three game stretch of his time in Kansas City, and it after, it,
0: after arguably the best five game stretch. Yeah, in his
1: career in Kansas. It City. just it's been just bizarre, and so I for me. At this point, I, I did a little digging. I looked into the offensive statistics the last three weeks. I looked at what those defenses did specifically. They are all beating Kansas City in very similar ways. And they just, the, the Chiefs aren't finding an answer. Yeah, the run blocking's got some stuff and there, there's a lot of things we could talk about. But at the end of the day, if you go through the film, And, you know, there are intelligent minds that disagree with this, although I haven't seen anyone that's professed to just watch the film of Alex and say he's playing anything but terrible. I haven't had a single person say that. I've seen some analysts, you know, like the Dungies of the World or even Bucky Brooks defend him with kind of broad statements and stats. And then I know Bucky said to me, well, I've watched the film. And I was like, yeah, me too. What's he doing right and, you know, silence. there was deafening silence. And that's the thing. You know, I got to say, you know, if you're in, I like Bucky Brooks. I think he does a good job, but if you're going to drop the whole, I've watched the film thing, great. Then, then tell me why I'm wrong. And that's fine. I've been wrong before. That's one thing I like about what Jeff Schwartz does every now and then. I don't always agree with him, but you know, generally speaking, if someone prods him enough, he'll give his reasons, mm-hmm. not just, well, I watched the film, but anyway, it, Alex is missing open receivers at an alarming rate. You know, the, all the stuff that people have been saying about him for years, it's like true finally. um,
0: well,
1: I, the, the, I, Yeah, it's it's. I, I watched
0: two series, and that's all I could get through, and I started looking at the defense.
1: Oh, you just watched the first two series? Yeah. How god-awful were those? Oh, well, my goodness. And, and here's goodness. what it comes
0: back to me before. Like you were just saying, it's, it's like as bad as he can be. It all looks the same to me, though. It, it's... He's missing an entire side of the field. They've narrowed yeah. it down to two reads at the most. He locks on to receivers. I mean, he's, he's – and I know the guys from uh, from the star touched on this. He's either hurt or he's scared out of his mind of getting hurt. Yeah. That's the only two things that I can come up with because it's all the shallow stuff to get the ball out of his hand because as soon as he sees another jersey, he wants it gone.
1: Well, yeah, his internal clock, even on plays – and I, I, I mentioned this – Even on plays where he completes the pass, he is getting rid of the ball like you said so quickly, whether there's pressure or not. His his clock, you know, you talk about that internal clock the quarterbacks need to have. You know, it's usually like maybe like you need to get that ball out after about three, three and a half seconds, Um, maybe four. You know what I mean? Like otherwise, someone's coming. You just don't see them, Right. right? And so I, I think you know maybe more like four seconds. If you don't feel anything, you still want to get the ball out by then. His clock seems to be set at about a second and a half. Yeah. I mean, he is just throwing the ball out immediately, and he's he's throwing inaccurately too.
0: And and that's the thing. And I tweeted about this during the game, and it, it's the inaccuracy. The thing that is Alex Smith's strength mm-hmm. is now failing him. And yeah. Oh. I know you've reached the point. I know Chris doesn't think it's going to happen, but I think he's at the point. I'm saying this is his last half. If I'm this coaching staff and he plays like this again, you have to pull him at the half and put the rookie in just to try and win this game to keep this team moving forward. Right. Because six and five is still come back
1: from a bowl. That's not a word, real word. <laughs> but, I mean, you're still – I love how you make it, a words, Seth. Come back a uh, bowl. Anyway. Define it, please. Well, to be able mm-hmm. to have come back from. Okay. Wow. Nice. Okay. You're
2: welcome. I could spell drop it, it too. Drop it. Drop it. <laughs> yeah, look at that. I have to ask this question. You guys are talking about him possibly being injured, and I've wondered that myself. My question to you is, Is what's the injury? I don't I, I hate. I hate to ask that question because it's speculative, yeah. but I can't see an injury that he could actually play through and the coaching staff wouldn't know about. Right. Well, here's I the don't, thing. It's one of those yeah. things
0: that, that he's taken enough hits. Pittsburgh, Denver, he got hit a few times. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking one of those. You know, it's some. It's something that's that he's toughing through. He's not going to let anybody know. An AC sprain. Um, I know he's had an elbow. He got bashed last season. Maybe that's acting up. You can get bursitis in your elbow pretty easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things that they can't really do anything about it. They're probably giving some painkillers, and he's trying to tough through it, if that's what the case is.
1: I just i you know he is throwing his body in harm's way. I can't believe it's anything to do with his legs um because he looks fast he looks perfectly physically fast um and he's had a few throws that make me feel like his arm is fine he had a he had a couple of beautiful throws to Harrison Kelsey you know and down the seam, and I mean. You would think that if he it was a situation where he couldn't do it, you know what I mean, that it would never happen. I think I think he's seeing I think he's seeing ghosts. I think the pressure finally got to him. You know, he kind of had you know I'm the I'm the effort Alex Smith kind of thing going this year, and he was slinging it and he was confident. And then the game against Pittsburgh happened, and that sucked. But he came back and he played well against Oakland, against Denver, and then for the first time, I think, I think. For the first time in his time in Kansas City, when he came out against Dallas, a team played him the same way Pittsburgh has been playing him for years. And it shook him up. And then each game he's seen the same stuff executed a little bit differently. And he's shook. He knows he's playing bad. This was the first game you you watch against the Bills. This was the first game where he was clearly frustrated out there. He was clearly angry. Like, you you saw him shouting a few times. I mean, and so I don't think he's hurt. I think he's shook. I think the pressure has finally gotten to him.
3: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: and It's, it's relentless at this yeah. point. And I could be wrong. I've gone through uh, PFF's time to attempt. yeah, And this last week was his shortest time per throw at 2.26 seconds on mm. average on the day. And right. maybe that's the blocking. Maybe that's him. But that's what it is, and that's why I, I put some things out about Tariq Hill tonight as well, about how yeah. he's not getting the deeper patterns. And got a, got a lot of feedback from people saying it doesn't matter. You can't get the ball to him anyway. Well, it does matter because it stretches the defense whether whether he throws it or not. And that's yep. what I'm trying to get across and I just don't know if it's fixable or not. Right. And I
1: think that's the big thing. I think that's why a lot of people are calling for Mahomes. And honestly, that's why I'm calling for Mahomes at this point. For one, I'm calling for Mahomes because the offense is is play, It's played like the worst offense in the league the last three weeks. And I don't think Mahomes would be worse. I think, I think he would, I think in, barring him being like a Peterman or like a Tyler Palko, which he's vastly more physically talented than either of them, just based on what we saw in preseason alone, if that's exactly who he is and he hasn't improved at all, the offense would be better with him out there. Even if he hasn't improved a little bit. And that's kind of where I'm at. Just the offense has been so bad. And I don't see it as fixable. Like there are certain things that people say, well, the run blocking needs to get better. Absolutely. I agree. And that's something they can work on. But the things that the teams are doing in the passing game that are working now, week in and week out against the Chiefs offense, how do you fix that? Because the majority of the things that I'm seeing that need to be changed, rise and fall on Alex Smith. And that dude is just shook right now. And it sucks. I like Alex Smith. But I don't see him getting better against the things that are the defenses are employing against them.
2: Well, I, I'm almost with you. We talked. We talked about this. Yeah. Sorry, I, I just got to say this. We talked about this a little bit on Tuesday, Seth, on Twitter when you know Alex. One of the best things that Alex does is he reads defenses mm-hmm. prior to the snap, mm-hmm. and he's doing that still, but. They're changing right at the snap, and he's yes. not good at post-snap reads. And that is cooking this do- offense in more situations uh, than we could probably count very easily. Yes.
1: And, yeah, you and I did talk about that a little bit. And so if you go back, and Ryan, I don't know if you looked for this specifically, but even in the first couple drives, what you'd see is people keep saying cover two. And, and to an extent, that's, that's somewhat true. Teams are playing a lot of cover two against the Chiefs. But they're also playing a lot of, of of middle close field coverage, um, or middle field close coverage. Sorry, and so what that basically is is single high, right? It's a fancy way of saying single high zone. Um, and it encompasses a lot of various types of single high looks. And so it's kind of a broad term, but what you're seeing teams do is they're showing a cover two shell. And then as the play clock winds down right at the last second, the safety rotates down into a robber roll or some kind of shallow zone. And then they roll someone, another safety into a single high spot.
0: Yeah. And for our listeners, picture Eric Berry. You see him do this a lot because the Chiefs use the same thing. They'll start it too high, and he they will do. come on down. He'll, he'll drift into the middle. Sorensen does the same thing, and it's, it's, it's about yep. timing. Yes. Good teams can do it at the snap, and, and that's what I come back to. I had this conversation yesterday. The thing that I noticed in those two series, no change in cadence whatsoever.
1: Yep, no change in cadence. Well, what happens is consistently the Chiefs have been snapping the ball with – two or three seconds left on the on the snap, on, on the on the play clock. And that's been going on for years, right? Well, now teams have kind of figured that out. Yep. And so they know when they need to shift and when they don't need to shift. And so there's kind of like a little cheat code there. So it used to be it was a good thing that the Chiefs waited the last second and gave Alex all the time to survey the defense, right? Well, defenses are taking his strength and they're using it against him. And Alex Smith is unusually dependent on pre-snap reads. Um, that's just in his DNA at this point. He, that's, that's his biggest strength. I've talked about that to you guys a ton of times. He diagnoses what routes will win against what coverages. He bases his reads around that pre-snap diagnosis. And so if he's wrong, that means his first two reads might be covered. And Alex Smith is not a guy who is great at calmly surveying the field and going through reads when it's different than what he expected. There's a really interesting snap. So when he hit Harris, it wasn't really down the field. but um, So the Bills switched up to man coverage, and they didn't really disguise it for one snap. And no one was really open right at the snap. Alex went through two reads before he found Harris with his third read. And in the meantime, pressure came from his blind side, and he calmly drifted to the right and hit Harris on the go for a big gain. I'm sure you remember that play, right? Yep. Isn't it bizarre how calm Alex was, that play? And how accurate he was, how his footwork was better, how everything just was different? I would postulate, and this is kind of a running theory I've started to develop, develop, that Alex Smith, the reason, like even when he's been playing great football, his snap-by-snap consistency hasn't always been terrific. And I've started to think if those... You know, because even in games where he was playing really well, he would have snaps, and this is even against the Patriots or the Eagles or the Redskins or the Texans this year, though hardly the Texans. He was incredible against them. But there would be snaps that he would just be inexplicably poor, even during the middle of great games. I'm starting to wonder if what we've been seeing this whole career is he is a quarterback who is almost entirely dependent on those pre-snap reads, and when he gets it wrong, he's hosed. And now, instead of getting it right 80% of the time, he's only getting it right, you know, 20% of the time.
0: Well, let's talk That's about my how to theory. fix that, too, because this cool. is what I was saying to somebody the other day. They want to know why the two-minute drill works. And it's because right. defenses don't have time to adjust. He gets to use right. his read as he does it. Get the ball out, move on to the next play. They have to speed their clock up. And you know me, I'd rather run the ball and take literally down to the two second mark on every play. But in order to get his reads to stay where they are, so that he's comfortable, yep. they got to speed up the pace.
1: Right, and that's what, Yeah, if you do a uh, if you if you run a two minute for one, it makes it tougher for them to sub in and out. And so you're dealing with the same personnel groups. And there's only so many packages that every defense has installed week to week in certain personnel groupings. So they can't disguise as well. Like they might disguise well the first play, but not the second play. And like you said, when you accelerate that play clock, you make it harder for them to disguise there. And and if you make it unpredictable when you're gonna snap. And like you said, changing up the cadence, man, wouldn't that be something? Mm, what an idea. Um and so I agree. That's the one thing I can think of them doing with Alex. I guess my big thing is, you know, how do you beat zone defenses and disguises? Well, you've got to become better at making post snap reads. You've got to be willing to push the ball down the field, make them pay for those single high looks. You know, and you guys know the drill, right? Hit the seam routes, hit, hit the dig routes in those gaps, hit the corner routes in between the shallow and the deep coverage. Everyone's played Madden, right? <laughs> These it's it's the same basic concepts, even though it's obviously much tougher. And the thing is, I just I feel like teams have figured out a way to take a, take take away Alex's biggest strength. And without it, I think I think he's cooked. I really do. I can't think of a way for him to overcome it. it and I hope I'm wrong. I hope he comes out against the Jets and lights it up against all the same stuff. But at this point now, we are we are three games into this, right? And. And again, three games doesn't sound like that long time, but you're almost at a quarter of a season now, and he's had three bad defenses make him look terrible yeah
0: i i not just not just mediocre terrible and that's and that's the bottom line is it, these are teams he should be walloping you know? yes and it, the only other thing that I can think that is they have to change it up so that not only is uh, is either tariq or demarcus taking those those deep posts or the flies or that kind of thing on one side of the field they got to run slants and they got to run double moves and one might feed into the other but in order for it to be a balanced attack the line still has to hold up better than they have been
3: if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft
0: coverage this off season look no
3: further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast
0: How much yeah. do you see I, – I think you think it's less important from what you're seeing than I do, but where do you fall on the offensive line?
1: I think the offensive line has really struggled in run blocking, and if you don't follow Baldy, I think both of you guys do. Yep. Um, he, he did some great breakdowns. They're doing some basic stuff wrong in the run game. However, he also had a couple of, of, of videos on there where he was saying, well, you know, they're back to basics here and it's still not working. But there was literally one where eight bill defenders – where within i mean maybe 20 feet of the center like they were that close like i mean it was it was just a completely crowded box and so you've got teams they're gunning for hunt because they're confident that they don't need to fret about the pass because the sets that they have are going to work if that makes sense you know they 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 they're like okay we know that the coverage scheme that we have is going to be good so we can focus our our attention on the run and if they pass we'll we'll just follow the plan and the plan will work. And by and large it has. I do think blocking's important and there were a couple of plays by the offensive line that were just inexcusable, don't get me wrong, but the protection by and large the last 2 weeks it hasn't been that bad.
2: Well, and I know you you weren't on the podcast when I talked about this, but and I know sacks aren't everything, but uh in my response to Bucky Brooks's conversation about Alex Smith not really being the problem because of his stats, you know, I separated out between, you know, the last 6 weeks and the first 5 weeks. And Smith got sacked 3.4 times per game in the first 5 weeks. He's been sacked 1.4 or 1.6 games times per game in the past 6. That is um,
1: telling. And, and like you said, not, sacks sacks aren't everything, but that's a right. big disparity in numbers. Right. It's just like saying, oh. you know, touchdown passes aren't everything. But if a guy throws four per game for six weeks and one per game for six weeks, it probably means something. Yep. It's just a matter of what. And I personally, I don't think, I mean, the giant or the, the Cowboys were getting some pressure there, but there were still plenty of plays, especially against the Giants, but also against the Bills, where Alex had plenty of time and he just, I mean, um, you know, for example, you know, on that final drive that ended in a pick, I don't know how many of you, if you guys follow smart football but there was a play where uh uh on the left side he, they they had Kelsey and uh and and Hill run a run a post dig combo a Mills concept mm-hmm. right and and so fox, you've got like kind of
0: like, a like 2y something like that
1: Yeah fox 2y yeah whatever they call it and what it does is it puts stress on that safety especially when it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey Um, because the underneath cover guy isn't actually going to help is the dirty little secret there. And so you really do have a two on two situation and the under and the, and the safety has to choose between Kelsey or Hill. And he had a perfect opportunity there, but instead and he looked, he saw it. They had the coverage. It was a cover two look. They had exactly what they needed to either get a big gainer on a dig to Kelsey or a huge gain on a post to Hill, maybe a touchdown. And Alex, looked away from it and threw the ball about 1 yard beyond the line of scrimmage to Charcanter Quest to the right.
2: He didn't give the play enough time to develop if I he remember didn't. correctly.
1: He did not and he was not under he was not under pressure at that point. And right. so I know we spent more time time about quarterbacks but that's why I'm at where I'm at. I don't think Mahomes could possibly look worse than what Alex is currently looking like. And you know, when people say that he's not ready, well, you know, there's no way he's ready to play. Here's the deal. Andy Reid has allowed him to be one concussion away from playing all year. Mm-hmm. If Andy Reid did not think Patrick Mahomes could, could – if he didn't think he could run his offense, he would have tried to re-sign Nick Foles. He would have tried to go out and get some backup. Like he, he's Andy Reid has prioritized a veteran backup every year in Kansas City, right? He paid Chase Daniel a bunch of money. He paid Nick Foles a bunch of money. Yep. Suddenly this year, he didn't. That tells me he's got a lot more confidence in Patrick Mahomes to come in than he did in, say, like Tyler Bray so, I don't buy this idea that Mahomes is completely unready, and honestly they're they're paring down the offense already they're scaling it back already, so might as well do and, and, it
2: with a guy that's physically talented and and hat tip to pulse to the chiefs because I know that you were talking to him about that, and maybe that you knew that. maybe you thought that beforehand, but I didn't even think about that that thought, so that was a fantastic insight on his part um now, the other thing I want to mention that you talked about. Well, actually you didn't talk about this specifically, but the thing I think Mahomes would bring to this offense that Alex just obviously isn't going to do is Mahomes isn't afraid to sit back there in the pocket and do the reads. Mm-hmm. He will he will sit back in that pocket and I bet and I guarantee you once he takes over, his um seconds per attempt are gonna be a lot farther a lot longer than Alex Smith's are. Yeah. And that'll open up a lot more plays.
1: You know, I I think that's true. Just just the schoolyard ball. I mean, there's just, yep. it, when the offense isn't working, you need someone who can operate out, outside the confines of an offense. And right now, the Chiefs offense is not working.
2: Yep. Now, I have to ask a different question, and I already kind of know your thoughts process, Seth, but I'll let you talk about it on here if you want. But I do want to ask Ryan this, because it's been addressed a couple of times. You said something about Travis Kelsey showing a lot of frustration on, game day uh, on different pass plays. Yes. What do you really think that means? And do you think that this is, it's going to become an issue down the road? And then Ryan, what do you think as well? I,
1: I don't know if it really means anything. Kelsey's an emotional guy and I just think he's frustrated. I think he's frustrated that he's not getting the ball in situations where he's open. I don't think it's necessarily an attack on Alex Smith. You know, I had some people saying, Oh, he's trying to show up Alex Smith. I don't think that's yep. what he's doing. I think he's just a guy who's not great at hiding his emotions, and that's his like, dang it, you know, moment. That's all.
0: I don't I, I tend to agree with you, I think that's where it is now, but I will say this. The guy gets hot. Uh, and if it continues, yeah. it will escalate. The fact that he left the locker room uh, after the Bills game, before any of the media got in there so that he didn't have to speak to anyone. I think that tells you a bit more of where he is. Uh, I, I think it's it's building. Uh, and if they can't get it turned around, then I'll have to start to worry.
2: Right. And well, that, that it, could be true. And I, do th- I will say that it's everything that Travis Kelsey has said in the media has been all pro Alex Smith. Um, you know, he's – Glowingly talked about Alex Smith and his relationship with him, and that he wants to win a Super Bowl for him, and all that. So, I mean, the support seems to be there, at least in what he says in the media. Now, whether or not that's souring, I don't know, but you know what? I'm not going to question whether or not he's frustrated. I would be frustrated too if I was in a situation where he feels like, you know, he could help this offense, but he's not being given the ball enough to do it.
0: That's certainly fair. But before we get to how that far is, I want to ask you guys one thing because I, I, too, think it's it's just about time for Mahomes. I think this is literally, for me, this is the last half. Alex has to earn the second half of this game against the Jets. But yes. with that said, I will throw out one caveat. Yeah, I think Mahomes can probably run 70% of this offense, and I think that's enough to get wins against the rest of this schedule. But here's the thing. As of today, despite playing poorly and and quite poorly, 19 to 4 ratio. That's touchdowns to interceptions. And the thing with a rookie quarterback coming in midseason, it's going to be up and down. Yes, I think you have a better chance to win with him right now, but it's going to be rocky. There's going to be mistakes made. Just because he didn't throw interceptions in the preseason doesn't mean that that's going to happen now. It's going to be a whole different ballgame. And I think – Folks who want to see Mahomes, when they do, they, they have to keep that, that grain of salt with them.
1: I think that's true. Um, you know, one problem with the buildup and with this whole waiting around for a while thing is people's expectations, now that he's sat out, you know, and especially if he sits out the whole year, people's expectation is that he'll be like a almost like a finished product. You know what I mean? And so... I don't I don't think that's a fair expectation to uh to put on him because the fact of the matter is, you know, sitting sitting on the bench for a while, that that's you know, you're gonna have some rough moments regardless of how long you've sat when you start, if that makes sense. You know, because there's no substitute for the real thing. And so I do think people probably have some unrealistic expectations in their head. That said, if you just look at and now to be fair the Chiefs don't have, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, but if you look at what Watson accomplished this year, um Mahomes is more talented than
2: Watson. He is a better playmaker than Watson. If I'm you glad could, you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I had somebody tell me that that if Patrick Mahomes came in, he would have the same effect that Deshaun Watson had on Houston. And I maybe, disagree with that.
1: Well, it's but the thing is it's it's, it's impossible to say. That's true. It, it really is. And now, now Watson's been more the exception. But at the same time, I mean, Watson, uh, you know, I, I loved Watson's film, but he didn't look like remotely that great a playmaker in, in college in a lot of games. He looked more like a part of the system. Mahomes um, was the offense in college. And he's more than capable of taking over when things are going rough. And he can do things that other quarterbacks just cannot do. Just absolutely cannot do. And so, I mean, now here's the deal. You're going from, you know, horrible, abysmal quarterback play to good quarterback play. And so Watson looked absolutely all world. Plus, a lot of what he was doing, especially early, was just chucking the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. Um, But here again, the Chiefs have a freak of their own, too. In fact, they got two of them. them. And I'm telling you, you know, now Andy Reid, I don't know if he'll ever be a guy that'll let you chuck the ball down the field 10 times a game to Tyreek Hill. But the thing is, if you only connect on three out of 10 of them, you might be talking about 200 yards and three touchdowns just on those. You know what I mean? And so I do think that he could have a big effect on the team, especially with where things are at now.
2: Well, we talked about this yesterday on yesterday's show, or maybe it was the day before. I think his, I think Mahomes coming to this team is going to be a bigger uh, stepping stone for Conley and Robinson than it really will be for Hill. I think it's going to help Hill, but I think Conley and Robinson are going to greatly uh, benefit from it as well.
1: I think that could be the case. I just, I mean, Tyreek Hill is just exponentially more talented than they are. That's he, true. He is, he is a freak. I think Tyreek Hill is a guy that really legitimately could be a 1,500-yard, 15-touchdown receiver.
0: Oh, I don't disagree with you at all. Now, just for the sake to say that we did, <laughs> let's talk about the defense because this is coming. Uh, Revis is going to be on the field uh, wearing 24, I understand, for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think they need that boost. Are you guys excited? Are you ready?
1: I am excited. I think he'll do well. And then also Terrence Mitchell is back too. And so he played pretty well from what I saw. (laughs) Which, well, about time for the love of – he played better than what they'd had. How's that sound?
2: Um, I, I'm fine with what you're saying. I, I just know how Ryan's smiling right now.
1: Well, and Ryan... Man, I even agree with you. Well, you know, Mitchell, you know, he's not great, but he's better than what they had. And so if you get a combination now of Revis, Nelson, and Peters, and then Mitchell as the fourth guy, I think you're doing pretty well for yourself there if Revis is even what he was last year. And then, in addition, the run defense, again, looked better, this time against a good rushing team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they can, they, yeah, absolutely. Reggie Ragland, he's looking more and more like a steal. Um, he had, he had by far his best game and every week he's been looking better. He's looking more confident. Now, the one thing he still needs to work on is every now and then he will over pursue and leave a, leave a gap open. But that's happening less and less. And he is getting more and more. He's making more and more splash plays. You see him getting more confident to the ball. You see him playing a little bit faster. He's looking like he could be a legitimate steal.
2: Yeah, but some of that's also him learning as well when he's over over playing plays. And, I mean, you're going to have to get that with a young guy, especially somebody that's basically playing his rookie season. So Exactly. um, I'm more than happy to take those plays. And I, and I understand you weren't trying to on when you were saying that. I just want to throw that out there.
1: Right.
0: I think – I hate to say this because I don't want to jinx anything, but I, I think he gives you the basis for what you have to look forward to going forward because I, I think – Synergistically, I think he and Kevin Pierre lewis are, are making a good tandem too. It's not just that Ragland's playing better; I think he's lifting his partner as well.
1: Yeah, I think KPL is is looking better. He's clearly taken over that 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 third guy role as DJ is getting phased out. Um, and you know, DJ I think has been playing better, playing fewer snaps. I agree, and I, I like. Um, seeing that. And
2: and he and he said that as much as well. Yeah, he thinks he feels fresher, and, and it makes sense.
1: Yeah, and so, and yeah, KPL, he's 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 very fast. I think there's some stuff there to be harnessed, um, and so I'm actually pretty confident in their ability to help develop the talent of 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 of, 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 of talented linebackers. Um,
2: the problem, yeah, how much of, of the, that, how much of a steal was that trade?
1: I well, well, I don't remember what was the pick that got traded for him. Was it a? Uh,
2: it wasn't a pick. No, they traded DJ Alexander.
1: For Ragland? Oh, no, you're
2: talking about KPL no, no. now. KPL. Yeah.
1: Yeah, KPL. That's looking good because DJ Alexander wasn't doing anything. Although, to be fair, the special teams hasn't been as good, so I don't know. That's but, true. <laughs> um, but I don't think that's a DJ Alexander issue. I, I think uh, – no, I think that was a steal because you've got a contributing guy for a guy who wasn't contributing. And then right. with Ragland – You've got a guy who's been a major contributor the last few weeks for virtually – for what was like a
0: fifth rounder? I thought it was a
2: sixth. Wasn't he yeah, a fifth or fourth?
1: Yeah, I, it I was, it was, yeah,
2: something like that.
1: And so, I mean, really good value there. He's looking like a guy that could play for a while. And so, you know, and not just play and just plug in, but, I mean, a guy like legitimately, he had, I think, three tackles for loss, which that's a lot. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's a good game. And, I mean, what, what I like about him is when he hits – Guys, they are done. He's got that unique kind of almost leverage that Eric Berry has, where it's almost like he's heavier than his listed weight. You know what I mean? Like it's like he's like his blood's made of mercury or something. It's like he's just a little heavier.
0: It brings a physical. Um, by the way, it was the fourth
2: round pick. Yes,
1: yes he he brings he brings an amount of physicality that just it, the defense really needed, and so that's been really good to see.
2: Well, and you mentioned Reggie Raglan, and I think. You talk about the physicality, and that's great. Don't get me wrong. But I think he's also allowed them to change the defense and the way they've been playing defense. And that's huge for them as well. Because you are keeping four linebackers on the field more, which is going to help you against the run.
1: They definitely have made some changes to that effect, and I think his presence has. He's been a little better against the pass than I expected. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be a star there because his closing speed just isn't there. But, I mean, he had one really good stop in space. You know what? No, he had four tackles for loss. Because that one on that, that 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 screen or swing pass whatever you want to call it to the edge well it wasn't a screen it was a swing pass um, I think he might have gotten him behind the line of scrimmage there and he covered the space I mean he was just fast enough I
0: I disagree though I think he's still working his way back on that knee I expect him to be faster I think he will be a guy that can make more plays on the perimeter. Well, that
1: would be awesome. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, I in, in his college film, he didn't look fast. And so that's why I'm thinking that he might never be a sideline to sideline guy. But he seems to have good instincts. And that means a lot.
2: Well, but it, at his specific position as the thumper in this defense, you don't really have to be a side line to sideline guy. Um, right. That's more KPL, and that's something that he is going to excel at. So I, I think it's a great fit for both of them. Well,
1: what'll be interesting, and they
2: complement each other well. Sorry.
1: That's true. I do want to see moving forward, depending on what their plan is, you know, maybe for so long. You know, they've had DJ be basically the only linebacker that mattered, and the thumper wasn't really that important. It'd be interesting because I think Raglan's going to be a much better player than KPL, though KPL has flashed. And so it'll be interesting to see how they do that, yep. you know, with the differing roles when now it's the thumper who is kind of the, the better player. Um, he also seems like, because I mean, he was a captain at Alabama, I think he's a guy that'll be able to maybe take over the leadership mantle too and they're going to need that. Um, Definitely. you know, you really you really want a leader at every level of the defense and I think the Chiefs have really missed um, you know, Eric Berry's leadership just in the secondary. And once DJ's gone and let's face it it looks like that'll be next year, you need a guy who can lead that that inside linebacker crew cuz it they just it's kind of a, it's just a whole different position from like the edge guys.
2: Now, and I understand I'm of the opinion that DJ could be gone next year as well, but uh, I'm not going to put it past them re-signing him to a much smaller deal. Now, that he would wants be, to KG to play, that would be that would be good to see. But at
1: this point, it would have to be an incredibly small deal because right now, and I, I love DJ. You guys know that, but right now, he's not moving the needle enough to warrant even a a decent sized contract. And they they got themselves in so much trouble with that Haley contract that has been an albatross, and you can't have a similar thing happen where you've got a guy who's almost like getting a legacy contract? Because at this point, while DJ has been playing better as of late, (laughs) would you even call what he's been doing, you know, be what? I mean, even a $3 million a year linebacker? Because I'm not sure I would.
2: Well, but is he – and here's my question, and I still don't know the answer to this, and I don't know there's any great way to answer it. Is he back from his injury fully? Right. And that's you know that's that's always going to be the
1: million dollar question even as the year plays yeah. out in its entirety, but that's a bet that it's tough to make if you're Brett. Baird. Oh, I agree. Now on the flip I side, agree. now on the flip side, you know you don't want him to end up in Denver and play well for another three years. But I mean the writing's been on the wall this year because even though he's playing a little better, it's not like he's lighting things up.
0: Don't say that out loud right. again, please.
1: I don't look. I don't like it any more than you do. But the best inside linebacker on the team right now is Reggie Ragland.
0: Well, I, I just don't want to see DJ there, especially because I have a feeling that they're going to come looking for Alex Smith when he is no longer with this team. So let's just...
1: I have no fear of Alex Smith at this point. <laughs> I really don't. Um, but, you know, that that would be
2: interesting. If they... The way he's been playing, that would be one of the worst moves Denver could possibly make. If
1: well, story, Denver...
0: Uh, the first five weeks... It's something to be scared of, right? They can't.
1: They they got to they got to bring in Andy Reid too. <laughs> well,
2: no, that's to, what they have to do. They have to do better at offensive coordinator, obviously. But I don't think that they can restore what he's doing. If what we've been talking about most of the time today is he can't make post snap reads. If you know that, you know how the def- you know the defense to play to beat him,
1: right? Right. And with guys like Eric Berry and Ron Parker, and that's one reason why the Chiefs, what we're discovering now, what's happening to the Chiefs is the same incredibly frustrating stuff that the Chiefs pass defense has been able to pull off for years until, you know, because they've had such a versatile, good safety group. It matters that you can rotate safeties around and you can play them all over the field. Right? And that's why it drove people nuts watching people play everywhere. But they you see the effect now that it has on quarterbacks. It was always this bizarre thing, like quarterbacks just couldn't exert themselves against the Chiefs. We're starting to see why. They had no flipping clue what coverages they were facing. <laughs> and that was one thing that Bob Sutton has done a good job of. And this year, you know, obviously there's been some issues just because the talent just isn't the same. You know? You go from Eric Berry to Eric Murray and that matters. You no longer, you know, you've got Danny Sorensen there instead of Hussein Abdullah. That matters, and so, but I mean, it's so I, th- I think the Chiefs. It's it'll be cool, you know, it'll be cool seeing Barry back next year. I guess is, is my main <laughs> thought there. But I, I don't fear Alex Smith at this point. I think, I think he's been exposed, like actually exposed, and that's kind of like a hot take, like a Twitter thing to say. I but I've I, I just watching the, yeah, watching the film. I just can't think of another explanation for it other than he's just – and maybe he's just got the yips too. And if, when he goes to a different place, that'll be better for him. But it is what it is at this point. But, no, it's, so to go back to the defense, I mean, Reggie Ragland's playing better. Um Justin Houston had another solid performance against the Bills. Um No one's talking about his premature demise this week because, you know, he collected a sack, even though funnily enough – the sack that he got that wasn 't necessarily <laughs> most even mostly right. him, hey. you know, and it was he he made a decent play there he's the one who finished, but that was tamba for the most part, but it, it just goes to show how funny people are when it comes to edge rushers and it's really not about how well the guy played it 's about one stat that they can count
0: well <laughs> that, not to get in a whole other thing because you know as we enter hour three of this show, are you guys happy with Whatever's going on with D4's back, with Tomba playing uh, a few snaps sparingly, and uh, he got a little bit of push, but then he got hurt. I mean, we're talking about Frank Zombos playing as much as anybody. Are we comfortable with that, or do you think there's something that they might need to do uh, in, in order to shore this up?
1: I was hoping maybe they'd go out and grab Freeney because I think Freeney's good for some pressure still. Uh, he's going to be, Dwight Freeney is going to be putting spin moves on left tackles when we're all, like, you know, <laughs> dead. You know what I mean? And so it would have been kind of interesting, you know, between him and Tomba, you'd have like one functional all pro, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you have one play half the snaps, the other play the other half and keep them both fresh. And I think they would actually have done well, but someone else claimed them. So I'd like for them to get someone, but I don't know if Lamar Houston's the answer. You might as well kick the tires a little bit. Maybe look at, you know, if they look at the film and like what they see, because I'm not satisfied and I don't think K-Pass is ready to make an impact with the caveat that pro football focus claimed that he had three pressures. Um, I don't remember seeing those. Yeah,
0: that, and that's, that's the next but, thing in the film we got to look at, right?
1: Right. I want to I want to check chart, you know, look at his, look at his snaps and chart a few things and see how he did um, because he's been playing a little, but I haven't really noticed him moving the needle. He had one nice, nice play on a run where he set the edge really nicely. Um, but which is one of the reasons I think a lot of people are excited about him as an edge because he could be like a Houston, a guy who can do both well. And so, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but I just, I'm not counting on him to move the needle too much, but if he's, you know, he went from getting no snaps like ever to the last few weeks starting to get snaps. And if he's improving at the rate that, you know, people have thought maybe he could, well, uh, maybe down the stretch he might be able to help out a little bit.
0: Well, down the stretch is one thing. Let's uh, let's wrap up with looking at this Jets game. Chris and I will have our predictions for you tomorrow and yes. we talk hopefully with Matt Derrick. So, Seth, how do you see this going? I know what you want, but what's your prediction that's actually going to happen?
1: <sighs> Jets 17, Chiefs 13. I, I don't see the offense bouncing back. I, I, I have not seen anything that makes me think they can bounce back at this point with the current personnel and with the current specific issues they have unless the unless the the offensive line s- starts playing a heck of a lot better in the run game or Alex Smith snaps out of it because you need one of those two things cuz really for the run for the run offense to function well at this point because of everything else they're facing you know with teams doing what they're doing they really need to block at an elite level or at least a very good level because they're often facing numbers and I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that and I don't have any faith in Alex to bounce back. I just don't.
0: Uh, Folks, that's it for us today. We will see what happens. We'll be back with you tomorrow for predictions. We'll be back with Seth next week to dig through what happens this game in New York again. Uh, Thank you for listening to us today. Seth, thanks for being with us again.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. And we will
0: talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.